family has uh, been to the Bahamas this week, left Monday, came back Friday, and so I had an opportunity to uh, reflect uh, on the uh, sermon that I'm uh, going to teach this morning out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. The title of that message is Adultery, the Perversion of Love, and so I'm, I'm going to try to define love. Uh, and that way we would better understand the perversions of it. I originally wanted to uh, um, confront some of the issues of the day, uh, like uh, gender dysphoria and some of those other things. Um, but instead, I think I'll just define love, and that gives us the foundation and the principle to, to uh, give an answer to all of those things, because I think really all of those things are answered in this particular, this particular passage. As I reflected... Uh, on the way home Friday uh, on the uh, ship, well, actually it was Thursday, uh, we're out there in the middle of the ocean. You could not see any land from any direction. I mean, it was nothing but water. And to sit there and think about how much water was there uh, was somewhat overwhelming. And as I used that to reflect on God's love, and uh, it, it seemed like the same Thing. I mean, I, I'm taking a bucket of water out of God's ocean of love and trying to explain it to you. And there's many different directions that the ship could go in. And so I hope that my outline keeps me uh, on the direction that I'm attending to, uh, uh, tending to head in. And so uh, this, this song here, uh, The Love of God, uh, is perhaps one of the greatest hymns uh, ever written, written about the love of God, especially this particular verse. Listen, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every one ascribed by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. Amen. I mean, what a marvelous verse that is and what a uh, what a, uh, I shouldn't use this word because Amy says I use it too much, but what a segue uh, into my, uh, into my ser sermon uh, to hear that and to understand the task that is set before me. Now, the, the title of, my, uh, of the passage uh, in my Bible says lust, but I don't think that this passage is really talking about lust. I think it's really talking about committing adultery, uh, committed, committing or committed adultery or commits adultery uh, is said is spoken of four times in our passage. So let me read it, starting in verse 27. It says, you have said, or excuse me, you have heard what is said by old. And we've already talked about that. Remember what we're doing here. <clears throat> we're not adding to the Old Testament. We're not correcting the Old Testament. Jesus is correcting the, the, the poor teaching of the scribes and Pharisees of the past. So they're talking to the scribes and Pharisees of the first century and saying, you have heard what your scribes and Pharisees have said in the past, and this is where you fall short, this is where you're wrong, and this is the correction. So he's not adding to, taking from, or correcting the Old Testament. He's correcting the false teaching of the scribes and Pharisees. So he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, you do, say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. 
And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members uh, than that your whole body uh, goes into hell. It was said also, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery as well. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And my desire this morning, Father, is to exalt, uh, to lift up, uh, to Make your truth reign supreme as it speaks of love, as we look at marriage, and as we look at the perversion of your love, perversions of your purpose. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help me to stay on task uh, in this ocean of knowledge uh, concerning your love, uh, that you would truly help me uh, to dip in the bucket that I intend to teach from your word this morning and to keep it on course, Lord. Father, we just commit our time to you and ask for you to teach us your will, teach us your word, and teach us your ways. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, I'll uh, say at the beginning that uh, uh, I got most of the information that I'm going to teach tonight from C.S. Lewis's uh, book on the four loves. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I like about it. There's some things that uh, I don't agree with. I'm not going to teach the things that I don't agree with, but if you do get the book and read it, uh, he, he kind of fades toward the end and kind of goes in a direction that I would not have uh, uh, gone in. Uh, but anyway, uh, the book begins with talking about gift love and need love. I like his take on this uh, because God has created us, you and I, with needs, with needs for love. And uh, in God, God has no need of love. Uh, he did not uh, uh, create us because he needed somebody to love. He had his son and his spirit uh, that he loved fellowship throughout all eternity. And there was no need when he created us in himself uh, that he created us to satisfy any need of love that he, that he had. But... He, gave, he made us uh, to both be the, uh, to have a need for love and also have the ability to give love. Um, if I was to think of a verse that would probably uh, uh, influence this the most or help us to understand this the most, uh, I think that unity within the body of Christ uh, is made uh, by those who are in need and those who have the gift to be able to give to those who need. That's the idea of all of the spiritual gifts. Uh, if you think of uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, think of bringing in verse 3 through 9, uh, before he talks about the spiritual gifts, he said, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, for God has given you or measured to you this gift. In other words, uh, the gift of teaching implies that there are people within the fellowship of believers that need learning. And that gift that is given to the church is for the church body as a whole, not just for the preacher or the teacher. So if you think that you are better than anyone else because you have a certain gift, you're wrong because that gift was given to you for the body of Christ, for those who needed to learn. It's the same thing with all the others. Uh, God gave some of you the gift of mercy. Uh, that's your primary gift, and that's re the reason why he gave you that, because there's other people in the body of Christ 
who needs the mercy that God has gifted you with. And it's your responsibility to extend that mercy uh, to them. Likewise, he has made us all in the need of love. And each one has the ability to give the gift of love. And this congregation, this body, uh, it is important for us to love each other and to love others the way that Christ has loved us. And so hopefully that gives us a better understanding of, of love as it pertains to us and as it pertains to God. Now, when you get into uh, biblical loves or the kind of loves, there's four. I've, I've read some psychology uh, uh, articles and things about loves, and some have like nine different ones. Uh, but I think these four are, are pretty uh, primary and pretty foundational in understanding love in scripture. So the first one uh, there in your outline is store J. Uh, some say store gay or store J. I might mix them up, uh, but I believe the right way of saying it is store J. Uh, store J love is friendship love. It is companion love. Uh, it is common interest and time measured. In other words, uh, it's a love that grows as you spend time with somebody. It's a love that is shared amongst people, sometimes with common interests. Right? If you want to, if you want to love Bob with Store J, uh, then get together and talk about football, the Bears, and talk about books. Right? If you want to be friends with Cole, then talk about fishing, and uh, and you'll develop this Store J love, this companionship, this camaraderie. Uh, it, it 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 can happen among friends. Uh, it can happen among pets. Uh, it can happen among um, a chair, your favorite chair at home. You may have a, a companion kind of a love where you just, that's your favorite chair. That's where you like to spend a lot of your time with. Uh, it could be good music. It could be uh, a number of things. Basically, uh, it's, it's common interests uh, that, that we enjoy being around each other. But we have to be careful uh, because the perversion of this love would, would form pride within the relationship that we would only have companionship with those who have our interest and we exclude others. Uh, that would be like we're all Republicans and so we exclude Democrats or we're Democrats and we exclude Republicans or white supremacy or uh, joining a cult or having factions within the church. Maybe we say... Now, this is a senior saint event, and so we are going to uh, have this event, and nobody else is welcome because this is for us because we have common needs and common interests. And so we need to, uh, we need to cultivate Storge love. It's, it's, a, it's a biblical love. It's a good love, uh, but we also have to watch for its, uh, uh, for its perversions. Okay, the uh, 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 one Bible verse... Uh, that would be interesting to look at would be Romans chapter 1. Uh, if you turn to Romans chapter 1, uh, we want to look at uh, verse 31. And verse 31, it says that some will be foolish, faithless, and heartless. That's the opposite of store, store J love. Uh, it, is, it is heartless. And so if you are heartless, then you don't have storge love. So if you have storge love, it's because you have a heart and that you're kind and loving uh, towards, uh, towards other, other people. 
Okay, a good example from scriptures would be uh, perhaps uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and, uh, and Jesus. Uh, they were good friends, and they uh, spent a lot of time together, and they mourned at Lazarus' death. Now, phileo is easy to understand because we have Philadelphia, uh, which is the city of brotherly love, and that's exactly what phileo is. It is the, uh, it's family love. It's brotherly love. Uh, it's a deep bond. I would say it's a deeper bond than storge. Uh, it, it has a, a strong uh, uh, a commitment to one another in that relationship. It can be affectionate. Uh, it can be intimate. It can, it's, it's sharing deep thoughts and deep secrets. Uh, you can form this with a, a brother, a sister, a father, a mother, a spouse. Uh, it can, it, we can also see it in, in, in Christian uh, fellowship, Christian family. Um, we know that, uh, uh, that the Bible says that, that some are uh, stick closer than a, than, a, than a brother. Okay, so we can have that uh, family bond within the, in the body of Christ. Uh, we can have um, relationships with male and females that would be the same kind of a relationship that we would have with a brother or with a sister or with our, uh, with our parents. Uh, a good example of this in scriptures would be uh, either David and Jonathan, there could be others, but David and Jonathan in 1 Samuel chapter 18, or Paul and Timothy in Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter uh, 17. Uh, I think their relationship was such that it was a lot stronger uh, than just storge companionship, uh, but, they, but they treated each other like family. They treated each other like, uh, like brothers. There was a closer bond and a closer uh, commitment. And of course, the perversion of this one uh, would be uh, family love and of course, incest. And we'll talk about that uh, a little while later in our, in our sermon or in our, in our lesson. Uh, the next one is eros. Uh, eros is the word by which we get uh, erotic or erotica. Uh, it's, uh, it's passionate affection. Uh, it is intimate. Uh, it can be sexual, but does not necessarily have to be. Uh, it comes with a strong desire. It includes lots of feelings and emotions. Uh, when it's, when uh, the Bible says that... Uh, that there is a person that is stronger, that is stronger than a brother, stronger than brotherly love. I think you're getting closer to and over to those emotion and those passions uh, that uh, that that begin to fall into eros love. Um, that part of eros love, I don't think is is wrong. I think it's biblical. I think you look at the Song of Solomon. Uh, the Song of Solomon is about the relationship between Solomon and the Shulamite woman, uh, and, it's, uh, and it pertains to the relationship between Christ and the church. And if you read that, it's very intimate. I mean, very, very, very intimate. We might turn there and uh, look at a couple passages in a minute uh, if, we have, if we have time. Um, it's, uh, it's passionate. It includes feelings and emotions. It uh, could include uh, a sex. Um, the perversion of that would be things like prostitution, arousal, strong love, strong passionate desires, uh, even coveted, uh, coveting or addiction or materialism, where you have this strong passion that you kind of have come, come uh, one with, uh, one with material possessions in a very perverted way would be this passion that drives us that would be 
getting into Eros. Um, um, Song of Solomon is a good one to read. Proverbs. Proverbs talks about these passions and emotions and how to control them uh, as well. Uh, it includes uh, uh, prostitution, fornication, adultery, lust, covet, uh, rape, homosexuality, or really all the sexual uh, uh, things, um, pornography, incest, and other unbridled passions of lust, where again, two become one in an inappropriate way. Now, agape, agape is God's love. Agape is divine love. It's solely a, give, a giving love. Uh, it is self-giving, self-sacrificing, uh, unconditional, unmeasurable, covenantal, committed, and faithful. Uh, John 15, 13 says that there's no greater love than this than one man giving his life for another. Self-sacrificing, excuse me, self-sacrificing self and self-giving. Uh, biblical examples would be Jesus dying on the cross. It would be disciples sharing the gospel, being persecuted and reviled is a good example. Um, now, the perversion of agape, I will say, I don't believe that there is a perversion of agape. Because you are either being, giving agape love, or you're not, right? It's not a perversion of agape, you're just not doing it. And so you're either doing it or you're, or you're not. Uh, God is agape love. He is, he is love. He loves uh, with agape love. And his love is not perverted. And so I don't think you can pervert it, I just think you can cease doing it. So with, without agape love, well, agape, uh, excuse me, I jumped over to the, uh, um, well, we can go to the summary, okay, the summary of these four loves. Uh, agape love fuels the other loves and makes them healthy and pure, okay? Agape sets the boundaries and defaults of the other loves. In other words, uh, to give an example, um, well, we'll give more examples as we go. Without agape love, storge, phileo, and eros loves become selfish, self-serving, perverted, and godless. And so it is agape love. Uh, one good verse would be 1 John 4, 19. We love because God first loved us. God loved us, filled us with his love, and now we love the way that God loves, and that fuels the other three loves that we just uh, we just defined. Uh, you can be improperly yoked in all loves except for agape love. We are commanded to go love as God loved the enemy as well as the friend. Um, and so there is, there is no way that we can be improperly yoked with another person uh, in agape love. We are commanded to always love with agape uh, to, towards uh, everyone. Okay, so we want to define love in marriage, uh, the model of Christ. Uh, it's a model of Christ in the church. Uh, marriage, I believe, is where love is expressed and preserved. And I would like to uh, 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 summarize that a little bit by saying, because I know that church is where love is expressed and preserved. And I also know uh, that single, singleness is a gift, and that does not rule out the fact that you cannot love in accordance with these other loves with biblical parameters and boundaries. But I think that love is the initial 
uh, excuse me, marriage is the initial institution that God gave us to where love is experienced and expressed in its purest and strongest way. And it is through the relationship of marriage that we are to protect all of these loves and place boundaries on it in specific ways, which I hope I can help out on as we, as we progress forward. Uh, God's original intent to learn the loves of God uh, was through marriage in, in family. And so if you think of it uh, biblically, in the beginning, God created male and female. They were to leave their wife and cleave to their spouse. And then they were to also raise godly children, talking about the gospel. Uh, that's how God intended the gospel to go from one generation to the next. The parent was to, treat, to teach the child. But also, if you understand that the word of God is a love letter from God and he is teaching us to love in the family is where we are to teach the love of God from one generation to the next. And it is in the progression of this, these loves that we get to the point of marriage and it is in this marriage relationship that intimacy Intimacy, I, I'm trying to be appropriate with the children in here, so I don't want to use too many words, but intimacy, uh, that, that these children uh, become a byproduct of the love of the parents, and it's, and it's in the birth process that this companion love, this storge, is, begins to cre be created in the, uh, between the man and the woman. I know when Amy was pregnant with Ashley and Rebecca, you know, she knew she was pregnant. I only knew because she told me. Uh, she had experiences and felt things that I didn't. Uh, uh, pregnancy didn't become real until I began to see Ashley and Rebecca moving in the womb and I could touch and feel and, and started to get ex excited about it. Uh, I think that's God's purpose uh, in marriage and family and the reason why, um, you know, men, you know, we can go to work every day and bring the money paycheck home and feed our kids and take care of them, buy their clothes and send them off to school and send them off to college. You know, they go to college, they, they uh, uh, good in football, they get on the football team, they make a great pay, they sit on the sidelines, the camera comes over to them and what do they say? Hi mom. And those things never hi dad, it's always hi mom. And so there's this special connection that is between a woman and her uh, a mother and their children uh, that, uh, that, is, that is created from birth, I think, and stays strong. Uh, in, in being a parent who has adopted a child, uh, it doesn't matter what the parents have done. The child is missing something. They know that there is something out of place when they realize that their biological mom has given her up to, for somebody else to take care of. And just the fact that when she goes home and visits her sister and her mom, and she sees that she looks a lot like them and doesn't look a lot like us, just re-emphasizes uh, re the fact uh, that there's something wrong with love when this occurs and this, ha and this, and this happens. And so um, there's something very significant that takes place when two married couples, love between each other produces a child of their own through this passion of eros that they now call, this is my child. Not only is it storge love, but it also becomes rather quickly phileo love. Love between 
a, 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 a brotherly love between parent and child and brother and sister. Uh, it becomes. Now, the, the, the siblings, it kind of cultivates from there. Right? And it, and it, and it rises up. And the, and the bond and love becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger until they come of age. And then they uh, uh, go through puberty. And then they become uh, sexually active. And then it's our responsibility to protect them. One, to make sure that they marry just one person who has the love of Christ and wants to wants to produce the love of Christ in the next generation uh, as, to make sure that they're not improperly yoked, uh, to make sure that they are, are taken care of and loved the way that Christ wanted parents to take care and love uh, their children. And so some of these distortions, I added, I added this one uh, because of the uh, Roe versus Wade, uh, but adoption, abortion, uh, divorce, all create some kind of dysfunction within these loves. A child doesn't feel the full extent of storge love. They don't feel the full extent of phileo love. They don't experience the passion of eros in two parents uh, staying together and loving that child the way that God, uh, uh, they don't see agape love. They don't see the self-sacrificing, uh, the self-denying, and the self-giving love that God intended us as parents to show to our children. It just, they, they miss out on that. Um, when, when, when I adopted uh, Jordan, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I, that I reflect on as I think back, there's a time from the moment that the child is born until they're about two, and you hear about the terrible twos, uh, but there, there's a time when that child does absolutely nothing wrong. They just lay there. They scream a little bit for milk, and it's time to eat and everything. Um, when their diaper's dirty, but they don't do anything wrong. Only thing that you do is love on them. Unconditionally, self-denying, just love, 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 love. And then they start, turn two, and they start disobeying. You still have, you have to start boundaries, and you have to discipline. And one of the things that I've learned is it's hard as an adoptive parent to become the disciplinarian when you missed all those years. That's where the love is formed so that when you get to be two and three years old, and now you're the disciplinarian, they understand that daddy disciplines those he loves. Daddy disciplines those he loves. Right? You don't understand. I remember Jordan asking me, I said, Dad, how do you love me when you spank me? And I said, Dad, I said, well, I don't spank anybody at the, at the restaurant. I don't spank anybody when they misbehave in Walmart. I don't, I don't pull any other kids out of the classroom and spank them when they misbehave in front of the teacher because they're not mine. So the reason why I discipline you because you're mine, because I love you and I don't want to see you fail in life. I don't want to, I don't want to see things happen to you that are unnecessary. That's why, I'm, that's why discipline is love. But don't understand that because love wasn't built upon from the moment of conception all the way through to the terrible twos and beyond in the teenage years. And we still struggle today uh, as a family with her because we miss that. There's no, long, there's no way that we can get that back. Only way that we can do is to begin now to try to create the storge, try to create the phileo, try to create and love in accordance with agape. Um, love is where uh, love is protected. We are commanded to not abstain from intimacy unless both are in agreement. Okay, now this, this doesn't mean that, you know, you have to have intimacy 
every day, every hour, or whatever. It just, it just needs to be an agreement uh, for a limited time, except for a limited time for prayer and fasting together. Okay, some of the perversions of this particular passage uh, would, would be, <clears throat> well, we better be intimate or I'm going to find intimacy somewhere else. That would be a perversion of it. Okay, because how is eros, storge, and phileo, how is it fueled? How are boundaries set? Right? It's out of agape. Agape says, okay, you don't feel good tonight? Then I'm going to deny my passions and I'm going to put it off for a day. I'm going to put it off for a time. Okay, but the Bible also says to get married if you're burning your lust. If you can't, if you don't have self-control, then get married. And say, so there is that we need to have within the marriage contest, context, the reason why God commands us to marry is because there are these passions and desires that we all have as needy people needing love that God has provided for us in our spouse. Right? And so it's, it's a... It's a perversion to say, well, then we're, we're just not having any intimacy. I don't feel like it. I don't want it. I got the children that I want, and so that's all I needed you before, and so that's it. Right? It's also a perversion to say, well, if you don't get those chores done today, then we're not going to have intimacy tonight. That's not what, that's not what God gave us love and intimacy for. It's not a tool in your self-control or your inability to have self-control that now I got you and I can manipulate you and make you do what I want because I know that God made you with a passion that I'm to fulfill. No, God says that we are not to stop unless we're both in agreement and it's only for a limited time. And during that time, we need to be praying together and fasting. Without that, it is a perversion of that particular, uh, that particular love. Marriage is for protection of lust. We just thought that's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I really read passages, verses 1 through 9. Um, again, it's self-control, meaning that our passions are strong. Uh, burning our lust means that we have burning desires uh, that, uh, that God created our spouse to meet. Um, also, Malachi 2.15, it says that God hates divorce because he desires godly offspring. Godly offspring uh, learn God's love and learns how to give love to those in need without entering into the perversions of love. Okay, that's where, that is where our children are learning about God's love in our family relationship and in our relationships. All right? And, uh, and, so, and so God made marriage strictly for passing on the gospel and his love from generation to generation. And I really believe with all my heart that the reason why America is in the situation that it's in is because our families have broken down. There is absolutely no way of getting around it and to understand that, that children just do not know how to love other people the way that God intended them to, and they were supposed to see it in the family. That's how God wanted it to go from one generation to the, uh, to the next. Now, the perversions of loves, 
Okay, this is all the perversions of love. For uh, love for another with eros alone. In other words, just to fulfill the passions of the flesh. Perversion is fornication. Uh, love for another person other than your spouse is adultery. Love, your, love for your friend of the same gender that goes too far in eros is homosexuality. Love for your relatives. Remember, you've established storge. It's moving into family love, phileo love. Uh, there's there's a, a passion. There's a oneness in the family. Uh, there's there's love for your for your siblings, uh, but if it goes too far, it goes into incest. Uh, we see that over in Corinthians. Uh, we also see love for children that has gone haywire and perverted is pedophilia. Right? You can also establish storge with your pet, but if it goes perverted, it's called bestiality. Right? You, you, you have a desire for multiple partners. You want to have more than one wife. Uh, it could turn not just adultery, but it can turn into uh, polygamy. Right? And I, I didn't know how to phrase this next one, but it's in our passage. Uh, it's the love for lust or the love of lust. Uh, it, it, it's lust driving our love. It's our passions, our emotions, our feelings driving our, our love and our love is responding to our, our emotions and our passions, and there's no boundaries, right? There's, there's, there's no boundaries. Okay, now what puts boundaries on these perversions? Agape love. Agape love, right? Because if we're going to love the way that God loves, then we're only going to go as far as we can in these loves as it pertains to us so that we don't go beyond these, these boundaries. Now, in 1960, they had the sexual revolution. And I can remember in the 1970s and the 1980s, the disco and the bar rooms and the dance clubs and all this came to be. And, uh, and it got to the point where it pretty much was the weekend. It was time for the men to get all dressed out and set out to find some woman to conquer and to have relationships with. And I remember when, when, when you heard about th this from a male's perspective, the, the, the idea was, well, God made us this way. And we have excessive testosterone. That's just who we are. God made us this way. And so a man has to be a man. A man has needs, and it's just the way that it is. Yes, a man does have needs. We've already seen that God made us that way. But agape fuels the other loves so that it doesn't become a perversion. And by perversion, I mean self-seeking. Just seeking out another person to satisfy self rather than denying self, sacrificing, dying self, and, and coming under the authority of, of God's word. Okay, so listen. God did make men that way. And they are still bound by scriptures and God's word to have self-control and agape love so that the loves that God created you to have to give to others does not become perverted. Okay, now I think we're in the midst of a sexual revolution, a, sexual, a homosexual revolution, and perhaps coming out of it on the other side, and what are you hearing now? Well, we're just made that way. 
Now, were they made that way? Yes, they were made with loves, storge, phileo, eros, right? And even though they're made that way, they still are bound by scriptures, right, to put boundaries and defaults so that the love for their friends, storge and phileo, doesn't become eros in homosexuality. They're still bound by it. God did make us needy creatures. God did make us with the capacity to be able to give love. But they are bound by agape and by God's word. God is love, and he loved us first, and we are to love others with restrictions and boundaries. Eros, sex, is for marriage and your spouse alone. One man, one woman for life. And this is one of my, this is me. I don't know if I, I think I can, I think with this message I can back it up with scriptures, but I'll say this is me. I really think it's unbiblical for us to say, well, I'm going to have to wait until I get a good education before I get married. Because what is our high schools and our colleges filled with? A bunch of boys and a bunch of girls burning in their lust. And what did God say about burning in your lust? Get married. Right? So if you put off getting married, and listen, I got married when I was 31, I think. Right? And, and I burned in my lust for 31 years. Right? And so, so, I'm, so I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying we are so far away from God's standard. And I don't know what it's going to take to get all the way back to where God intended it to be. Marriage is a beautiful thing. It is a saving thing. It is a good thing. And we shouldn't be trying to push it off for later years. Listen, I can tell you now at 57, I wish I got married a lot younger. Because there's a lot of things that I didn't do. And there's a lot of things I can't do. Because I didn't have the energy to do it because I waited until later years. I wish that I could have gave my best and strongest years to my wife and my kids. And so we need to be careful about putting off marriage because of a career, because of education, because of whatever, because all that time we're burning in our lust if we don't have any kind of self-control. And so we need to be careful. And so the answer for homosexuality, the answer for gender dysphoria Yes, you're made to love. You're made to love the opposite sex. You're made to love the same sex. But there are boundaries and parameters that are put upon it. And the only way that you can put those boundaries and set those boundaries is to love like God loved with agape. Self-sacrifice, self-denying, loving others the way that you love, your, love yourself. Okay, then I want to go back to Matthew chapter 5. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 19. Uh, because there is a serious fight that we should have for this, for this love. Matthew chapter 5, look, it says, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, In the context of that which we just read, then it says, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body is cast or thrown into hell. Now listen, I don't believe that God is calling us to cut off body parts. 
what I, what I do believe that it is saying here uh, in terms of the medical profession, uh, when you have blood that is leaking out because the injury is too bad, what do you do? You apply a tourniquet. What does a tourniquet do? It stops the blood. And what happens when you stop the blood, wherever the tourniquet is, from the limb to the end, it dies and falls off. And so what I think it is, is insinuating here, so you won't get uh, commit the sin of adultery, recognize the lust that is beginning in your heart, and put a tourniquet on it and stop the blood flow to it, because if you don't stop the blood flow to it and allow it to work its way out and grow, it's going to turn into adultery and fornication and other sins. And that's for everybody across the board, the homosexual, the gender dysphoria, everything. When you start thinking unbiblically about God and his love, cut it off, stop it, and take every thought captive to the word of God and come back to it. Now, I won't carry this, this one uh, uh, too far, but if you turn over to... Uh, Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 11, it says, The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive the saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive it, receive it. Okay, do I, do I have to go into what a eunuch is? Uh, a eunuch is uh, genitalless. Some are born without genitals, and I will tell you, some are born with both genitals. And so if you are born with both genitals, genitals can you determine which sex you're going to be and if it's true that you can physically be born with both genitals then is it possible psychologically for you to think that you are a man trapped in a woman's body there you have the problem there you have the problem Well, I think the I think science I think scientifically you would go back to the chromosomes of DNA to determine what sex you are, and then that would that would be the determining factor. Or you would live as a eunuch, you would stay single, right? So it's it's basically saying that some were born that way, some are made that way by men, some live that way for the cause of Christ, right? So if you don't have if you don't have self control married. If you do have self-control, then don't marry and live as though, normally as though you don't have those passions or you don't have those desires. But out of all of that, all I want you to see is Jesus Christ is saying, listen, it is serious that we protect love and marriage and gender the way that God created it. That's the point I want you to see in all of that is that we need to, to protect it, right? We need to protect it with all of our might, with all of our strength, and with all of our heart. We need to uh, protect it. God has created us with the capacity to love and to love everybody. 
And we have to put parameters on it because it can get perverted in all of these ways that I've listed. And it's still our responsibility to take every word captive to the word of God and live as God has commanded us to live. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and thank you for your, for your word. Uh, your standard is, is, is high. Uh, your purposes are good. And we have distorted it in so many different ways, Lord. Uh, it has, the, the perversion of your love has become rampant. And some people say that, that this is true love to allow people to live any old kind of way that they want to live and do any kind of thing that they want to do. And Lord, that is simply not the case. So with agape love in our hearts, Lord, help us to reach out to those who are living in perversion and demonstrate to them the love of Christ so that they may repent of their sins Turn from their perverted ways and love the way that you intended from the very beginning. And help us, Lord, as a church to love better, to love each other in the body of Christ and to, lead, and to love each other in our families. That we may bring glory and honor to your name. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray.